Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. Next on RTE Radio 1, Drama on One. This week's drama is Write Your Mind, a play about youth mental health, weaving together monologues devised by writers with young people. Write Your Mind was devised by Jigsaw Offaly Service and Offaly Youth Theatre, with Eugene O'Brien as writing consultant and Angela Ryan White as director. The featured monologues are School Tour by Lorna Kelly Dalton, performed by Ema Regan, Man Up by Andrew Joseph Brown and Ali Scanlon, performed by Adam Cooper. The Help by Niall Cleary, performed by Helen Brady. Make Up Your Mind by Rory Duffy, performed by Jamie Nolan. And The Mystery of the Missing Mars Bar by Caroline Bracken, performed by Emma Cranston. The play contains strong language from the start. For the next 40 minutes or so, this is Write Your Mind. Write Your Mind. A play about youth mental health. School Tour by Lorna Kelly Dalton, performed by Ema Regan. Oh no. God, to breathe. I am bloody breathing. Okay, come on. Positive thinking. It's only one night. Shit. Oh, my heart's pounding. Okay, okay, slow. In and out. That's it. Nice and slow. It's just 24 fecking hours, Amy. It'll be fine. I'll be fine. What can happen in one night? Loads of people go on school tours every day. And they're all fine. Except for the ones that aren't, that is. Oh, Jesus. Oh, here it comes. Maybe it's not one of my flaps. Maybe it's an actual heart attack. This time... Mum, mum, room spinning. My hands feel fizzy, pins and needles. What did Lisa say? I can't think. Okay, okay, lie down. My heart's in my throat. Shit. Okay, I remember. Be in the moment. Be in control. I am not going to die. In, in out. out. It'll pass. It always passes. It's gonna be okay. That's it. Nice. And calm. It is. Thank God for that. Thought I was going to pass out there. Think if I didn't lie down that time, I would have KO'd for sure. Actually, that one didn't last as long as they usually do. 
Strange, that. Imagine having to go to see somebody to teach you how to breathe. One of the first things we instinctively do when we enter this world. <laughs> and the last thing we do before we feckin' leave it. I thought I'd be growing out of these by now. I mean, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm 14 now. Four years off 18. I'm practically an adult. I'm just... I'm so sick of hearing about this stupid trip. It's where we were going to Disney World for a month and off for mana for a night. Totally obsessed with this crap. Like who they're going to be sharing a room with. God knows who I'll be lumbered with. What if I have to share with somebody who I absolutely hate? Or worse, if they put me in a room with Jessica Lynch. Teachers always seem to pair us together for projects and stuff like that. God, I bet it'll be her. Oh, not again, oh, not again. Relax. Okay. Overreacting. Nothing's decided. Come. Mountains into molehills, Amy. Get Mam to write a note. Anyway, I don't even know if I'm going yet. I'll just stay in the moment. I suppose if I'm honest, my overall worst fear about this trip is having a flap. Sorry, Lisa, I mean an anxiety attack. Imagine in front of all the teachers and everyone in my class. Jessica Lynch would only love that. Oh, I just... I hate her. I hate her and her stupid HD Geordie Shore eyebrows. What am I saying? She's the one who hates me. So I suppose I hate her for hating me. I've actually never done anything to her. Like, we were best friends up until second class. But she's in the popular gang now. It's more like the bitch gang. I'll never forget her eighth birthday party in the local play centre. I hated places like that. I still kind of do, but not nearly as much as I did back then. Crowds of kids, running around like headless chickens. And worst of all, the whole place was decorated in helium balloons. The minute I walked in, I spotted them. Went into an instant panic, froze on the spot. Mam knew straight away. I made a beeline for Jessica's mam. I'm still not sure what she said to her, but since that day, I was never invited to Jessica's house to play again. And that was the end of our friendship too. I've thought about the balloon thing a lot since then. And I think it was like the unpredictable movement. Like one minute they'd be hovering above you and the next they'd be slowly working their way across the room without me even realising it. There was a... There was a slyness to them. One that I felt completely helpless to control. I, I do realise now that that makes absolutely no logical sense. But that's how they made me feel. Have to hand it to Jessica, though.
After that day, she managed to start a very successful hate campaign against me in school, awarding me the title of class weirdo to match. She even managed to carry it on into secondary school too. (laughs) What a bitch. Little did she know though, I was her campaign's biggest supporter. I hated myself. As much, if not more, than her and all of her little lackeys put together. Why? Why could I just not be normal? Why couldn't I just be like everyone else? (sighs) Do you know what? I think that's actually a new record for me. I don't think I've ever had a flap pass that quickly before. Maybe there is something to Lisa's breathing and LGBT techniques after all. Wait, hold on. That's not right, is it? Uh, CBT. It's CBT. Cognitive something or other. I have to admit, though, it really did help this time. I thought Lisa was talking a whole lot of tree-hugging hippie crap. This means we're going to have to admit to Mam that she was right about seeing this new therapist. I can just see the smug, I told you so, look on her face. It could just be a fluke. It's really too early to say yet, but I kind of, I feel different, you know? Empowered or something. Not a dance around in my underwear like Beyonce kind of empowered. Although, how cool would that be? Anyway. Fluke or not, I reckon today was a good day. And the scores are in. One point to previously undefeated champion, Anxiety. And one point to Amy Brennan, class weirdo, an undisputable first time ever. Draw. Man Up Concept by Andrew Joseph Brown Adapting playwright Ali Scanlon Performed by Adam Cooper Getting out of bed this morning was such a hard thing to do. I was preparing for a job interview of the many I've had the last while. I didn't want to go, but Mam insisted. She's the one who sent around my CV, my phone number, bought me a new suit and tie, and basically begged... I've done all the work for you, Jay. The least you can do is turn up. Please, love. Uh, I knew I would go, though. I mean, it is for ma'am. <laughs> I love her to bits, really. She does the best she can for us both. She doesn't have much, but she's always made sure that myself and Sam have had the best of everything. <laughs> Sam. Samuel, my older brother. Three years older than me, we're always so close. Local barman down the road, actually. Such a funny lad. 
basically loved by everybody. But no one loved him like my mam. <laughs> She'd worship the ground he walked on. So, two and a half years ago, um, when he died in a car accident, all I remember is her face, the doctor telling us he was sorry for our trouble, Sam's pale, lifeless body, and the rest is a blur. It was just myself and Mam all alone now. Sam had always taken care of us, of her, and now it was up to me. I was 18 at the time, doing my leaving cert in eight weeks. My life had a plan. UL, business degree. It all mattered so much. And suddenly it meant absolutely nothing. Mam needed me, and I needed to man up for Mam's sake. It was the best thing I could do, not just for her, but for me too. That's what I remember telling myself anyway. I tried to be him, to be the same as Sam, because I thought it would make things easier. But it was so much more painful, and it was just bullshit, because Sam was just Sam. He was special, and one of a kind, and... I couldn't replace that. Not now, not ever. I didn't eat, I didn't sleep. I don't even remember thinking straight at the time. I didn't go back to school and my friends ended up going to college and were living these amazing lives while I just sank into a black hole of nothingness. That's all that life had in store for me. It all became too much for a time and I needed to make it stop. I had to get it out of me. All I wanted was for it to be gone. And that's when it happened one night while watching a video on Facebook. The video was about cutting. The girl in the video claimed that it felt good. It was like there was something inside of her which had to be released, and by cutting these little holes in her arms and legs, she could let it out. She was bleeding pretty badly, yeah, but it felt good. So I tried it. It fucking hurt. It hurt really bad. But then, then I realized that I hurt less. It was true. It was like by focusing my body on the very raw pain of the cut on my upper arm, the pain I felt inside of me was much less, for a time. But the problem was that eventually I was right back to where I started. This sort of therapy went on for a while. I didn't want to tell Mam because I didn't want to hurt her. I know how raw she still was even after almost three years. I suppose we all are. <sighs> but there was no getting away. It all went down a few weeks ago when I arrived in the door after being out. Mam had called me to come home. I sank into one of the chairs in the kitchen, and when she walked in, I knew something was really wrong. She was so pale it scared me. And then she held it out from her chest one of my white t-shirts 
bloodstains. She knew. She looked me straight in the eyes and asked me what was going on. I just spilled everything. About the cutting. About Sam. About not wanting to see her so upset. She came over and just held me. She didn't cry. She didn't break down. She just held me tight like a baby. Her baby. And I realised something. That yeah, I may not be Sam. My beautiful older brother. My mother's wonderful eldest son. And things wouldn't ever really be the same again. But I was Jay. Jay Wilson, my mam's youngest son. Simply a young man who was going through a tough time and needed help. After the job interview today, I felt a bit better, and when I got home, myself and mam watched some old Father Ted episodes and drank some tea. Obviously things aren't going to heal straight away, but at least now there's some hope for the future. The Help by Niall Cleary, performed by Helen Brady. Eat my shit. That's what she said. We were watching this film in SPHE about racism last week. <laughs> Mr. Pube is always showing his films. Anyway, that's where I got the idea. From that movie, The Help. Claire Power and her skanky friends have been making my life miserable for months now. They've started putting stuff on Facebook about me. Like, I'm surprised that she's even able to use a smartphone. She's so thick. She thought that Michael Jackson was the president of Africa. I mean, she actually said that in Miss Bennett's religion class. (laughs) No one even laughed when she said it, because everyone's afraid of her. Well, everyone except me. I kind of snorted as I was trying to keep in the laugh. Then I tried to pretend that it was a cough. But she knew. The look she gave me. She has a face like a slapped arse, all red and angry looking. That's when it started. Nothing too bad at first. A couple of weeks ago, they locked me in the toilets and they threw eggs and flour on top of me. <laughs> took pictures. I was just sitting on the bowl with my knickers around my ankles waiting for it to end. But it didn't. They started to put stuff on Facebook about me then. You know, it's grand when they say stuff to you, call your names. Not that I don't mind, I do, but you know, it really says more about them than it does about me and it ends when I walk away. I always walk away. I'm not exactly Katie Taylor, so, you know, I don't have much of a choice. So last week, the stupid skanks took loads of pictures of me during PE. I looked like a pig playing basketball, kind of bending over, picking up the ball, big red face, arse in the air. They keep posting it on Facebook and commenting and tagging me in the pictures. That stuff doesn't go away. It follows you around. So, my mum saw it and 
tried to have the big chat. Like, what is she going to do? Call around and punch Claire Power in the face. (laughs) Not that it'd make any difference. She must have talked to Miss Bennet as well, because she kept me back after religion and asked me if there was anything on my mind, you know, with that really concerned look on her face. I was going to say, yeah, I can concentrate looking at that mole on your face, you should really get it looked at. But I didn't say that, I just told her I was grand. When I got outside the door, Claire Power and her skanky friends were waiting for me. You know, I like Miss Bennett, but she doesn't have a clue. She's like 30 and still looking for a fella. Plus, she's terrified of Claire Power. She's going to have a nervous breakdown, Miss Bennett. Everyone says so. Our class are taking bets as to when it'll happen. We kind of drew lots like a lottery. (laughs) Everyone put in two euros each and there are 30 of us, so that's like 60 euro if you win. I got June. That sucks. She's not going to last till June. (laughs) Claire Power got December. I think it's going to happen then. So... We had home ec today before lunch and I'm partnered with Molly, so she helped. We shared the ingredients together and, you know, baked together and that kind of stuff. Molly got this really nice chocolate. It's got like 90% cocoa or something. You know, farmed by pygmies in Java or something like that. Anyway, it's really nice and really expensive. So, like, it's got a really powerful smell. Is smell the right word when you're talking about food? Is it odour? No, that's armpits. Aroma. That's the word. That's it. Aroma. Nice word. Aroma. Anyway, it's got this great aroma. Kind of masks other tastes. So after we added the flour and the butter and this amazing chocolate, I told Miss Dillon that I had a pain in my stomach and I slipped to the loo. And I brought a freezer bag from home, you know, one of those strong plastic bags. And, well, I... There's no nice way to say this really, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I shit in the bag. It was just a little one. And I sealed it and tucked it into my pocket. It was kind of warm, which was weird because I didn't expect it to be. Well, I hadn't really thought about it before, you know? Anyway. I, like, slipped it into the mixture when no one was looking and just mixed it all up. It was really disgusting. Molly kept on gagging when we were stirring it and Miss Dillon told her that if she didn't stop, she'd get detention. Yeah, it was pretty gross. So, we popped it into the oven for 30 minutes and made chocolate brownies. Molly snuck in her phone, so we took little film clips of the whole process. But we had to be really careful, because if we were caught with the phone, you know, we'd get into a lot of trouble. So, we had big break after class, and Claire Power and her orc friends always hang out at the back of the canteen. They sit at the table, you know, beside the radiator, and no one else can sit there. So they just suck up all the heat. So, I walk up to their table and Claire's like, 
what do you want, piggers? And I'm like, I just want to make a peace offering. I thought maybe we could be friends. So I kind of slipped the top of the box so she could see and, you know, like get the aroma. Because even though they were like, you know, they did smell delicious. And she's all like drooling and trying to be cool. But she's such a greedy bitch, she couldn't resist. So she took a big fistful and handed them round. And it was really easy, actually. They were all licking their lips and licking their fingers and saying, OMG, these are so good and taking selfies of themselves feeding each other brownies. And Molly was sitting at the table opposite and she took photos of the whole thing on her phone. They didn't even notice her. I know, it's gross. So when they were finished, I just said, You just ate my shit and I've got it all recorded. Molly... We had practiced this bit. Molly had put an album together, you know, of the shit in the bag and us mixing it and the girls eating it and licking their fingers and stuff. And she sent it to them in like a group WhatsApp and their phones all started to beep. Well, vibrate because we were in the canteen. And they have this look of kind of confused horror on their faces. And they're taking out their phones really slowly. And they're just looking at the photos. And you can see that they're just starting to get it. Like, just starting to realise. But it's all happening so slowly because they don't want to get it. And well, because they are all like such thick bitches. (laughs) Then I just said, if you ever mess with me again, this is going viral. You know I'll do it. I want to do it. So just try me. Then I walked away. I know, it was pretty sick. I met Miss Bennett walking down the hall after school. She had this big bundle of copies in her arms, like she's a religion teacher, no one does any homework. (laughs) But she's bringing them home to correct anyway. And I felt really sorry for her all of a sudden. And she stopped me and said, It's so good to see you smiling. I don't know what got into me, but I told her. Like, everything. It just spilled out of me. I think it was as much for her as it was for me, and her face just froze as I said it. Are you serious? Yeah, I know. It's kind of gross, but it's all sorted now. So she gave me this look of disbelief, but sort of mingled with something else. And she said, Katie, That's sick. You are sick. I am so proud of you. Do you want to go for a hot chocolate? My treat. I didn't go, obviously. It would be social suicide. Anyway, I don't think I could drink hot chocolate. Not for a couple of days, anyway. Make Up Your Mind by Rory Duffy performed by Jamie Nolan Well, how's things? 
That was some crack last night, huh? No. I seen him coming out the back of the hotel alright. But he looked pretty busy with your one. Ah, he'll be grand. He's probably in a hoop on someone's floor. You're breaking up there? What you say? Yeah, yeah, go on, so. I'll chat you after. Right, look, look, bye, 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 bye. I hate Sundays. There's always something to tidy up. Some sort of mess. Stupid stuff. See, Sunday mornings mean the weekend is nearly over. Nearly gone. It's not like a Friday afternoon when you can really feel the buzz creeping into your brain. A whole weekend of crack ahead of you. Well, that was a good one last night, huh? No. I didn't see him after we left Murray's. He didn't actually get off with her. Oh, Jesus. There'll be some crack when the other one finds out. Yeah, I say that's where he is, so... I'll ring him later and see what happened. Right, so... Good luck, good luck, good luck. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, Friday's a real good day around here. You get the feeling of grey crack on the way. Someone's always having an 18th or a 21st. Sure, we've been at a party every weekend since May. And half them are house parties, so we'd be up all night. Sure, wasn't it nearly six when I go home there last Saturday night? Or sorry, Sunday morning. I'd say we must have been up at more at night than during the day in the last two months. You see, with a big group like us, someone's always either splitting up or going off with someone new or whose mother is sick or something, do you know, like... And there's always one who can afford a slab of cans from Aldi too. They're afraid i gone back. I got the tingling feeling in my stomach the minute I woke up. You see, this weekend was going to be classic. Davy Fallon was back from Australia. And there was a 21st on the back of the hotel. I sold an old Ford Escort my brother left me before he went to Australia. And got 400 euro for it. And Shawnee Max was doing a deal. Three pints for tenner before nine o'clock. Oh Lord. And your man Jerry, the weather forecast. Well, he said it's going to be a scorcher all weekend. It's going to be a hot one. Especially on Saturday. What now? Sure, he's an adult. He can look after himself. Did you see him with her? I'd say that's where he is, so. Do you have his number? Well, will you ring him, so? Right, good luck, good luck, bye. Why is everyone freaking out about that lad? So, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. It was all set up to be a scorcher of a weekend. But... I have to say, I was a bit worried, do you know, like, I don't know about ye, but when we do have these big weekends, I just sort of feel tired afterwards, do you know? A heaviness comes over me. It's worse on the day after the day we stop drinking. I do feel like shite on the Sunday, but at least I know that's just the drink wearing off. I accept that bit, and I know it's coming. 
and I usually eat my way throughout the day. I love eating potatoes the day after, or a Chinese. Oh, jeez, I do love a Chinese after a big weekend. But on the Monday, or maybe even the Tuesday, I just sort of feel, well, grey, you know? Sort of grey on the inside of my head. I hate that feeling. You wouldn't know what you might do when your head's like that. I do wonder if it's a sore depression, you know? They say lots of people get depressed. Lord knows, me father was a fucker for the depression. Still, he was well able for the drink, and the depression didn't seem to affect his ability to have a good night out. Well, how <laughs> will you go easy? He's not really missing. Just cause you don't know where he is, that doesn't make him a missing person, you know. What exactly did the text say? Sure, that could mean he's had enough of this life, as in, you know, enough of this town and not working and all. I didn't actually see him with her, did you? Are you joking me? Jesus. Jenny's pregnant, you know. She'll flip when she hears that. Look it. You ring Jenny and see what she knows. And I'll see if I can track him down. You see, even now, with your man missing from last night, everyone's starting to think, you know, is he hanging somewhere or inside the canal? The depression is a terrible thing, though. I'd say half this crowd do get it, including your man. You see, they think it's part of the hangover, but they don't realise that it's actually the alcohol affecting them and bringing them down. My old fella, I'm not going to deny it, decided to drink a load of vodka on top of some tablets. I'm sure everyone around here knows it. They found him inside my auntie's shed after choking on his own vomit. That by misadventure, they called it. But the paper called it something else. Oh, what are the words they used again? A terrible tragedy. That's what it was. Terrible tragedy. I had to go see a counsellor in school and all. She said I would be shocked, but I wasn't too bad. She told me I'd probably get angry, but I didn't. Jesus! They're after finding your man. Oh, he's in a bad way. They got him. Out in the line. Lying in the grass near the bridge. Jesus! I knew he was feeling down with your woman being pregnant and all, but this... Why didn't he say something? Why didn't he tell me he was feeling so shy? I'm supposed to be his best friend! Well, what's the story with your man? Yeah? Will you fucking tell me, is he alright or what? Yeah? Jesus. Where did he get the tablets from?
No, not when I was talking to him. Sure, wouldn't I only fucking know me old fella and all? You what? What does probably pull through mean? Either he will or he fucking won't. Yeah, sorry. I know it's not your fault. Yeah, okay. What war is he in? Right, so. Good luck. Bye. Me mother said I was stubborn. Said I was just like me old fella. But I'm not. She said I had the gene from his side. But she's wrong. She's wrong. See, I'm able to see things from a different angle. And I'm able to change. Right. I'm going to go up and see your man. See what state he's really in. I'm going to go up. I'm going to see him. And I'm going to ask him, why didn't he talk to me? The stupid fucker. And then that's it. That's it. The Mystery of the Missing Mars Bar by Caroline Bracken Performed by Emma Cranston We come home from school, right? And here's me dad, out cold in the hall. And me brother Damien is standing over him, swinging a golf club like he's a bleeding major, eh? Holy shit, is he dead? No more than a fucker deserves if he is, says Damien. And he starts rolling a joint down me dad's stash. Don't be smoking that shite in front of the child. That's what me ma always says. I'll do what I want in me own fucking house. Doesn't bother me. I like it when he starts dancing like Katie Taylor and I sneak me dog Dodo up on the couch with me ma's blanket wrapped around us. Me dad says Dodo should all be extinct. Yeah. Everything was grand in our house till about a month ago when me ma kicks me dad out. Not because of the shite smoke of mind. Oh no. Just because he went mental. Over a Mars bar. A fucking Mars bar. Here's how it went down, right? You see, me and the boys, Damien, and me brother Carl, or Snarl, as me dad likes to call him, yeah? So we're chilling in their room, having the bants, when the door shoots open so hard. It gets stuck in Eminem's crotch. Now that poster is Carl's prized possession. And me dad's roaring, Where's me fucking Mars bar? Which one of you bleeding parasites stole me Mars bar out of the fucking fridge? We're questioning each other with our eyes. Was it you? No. You? No. Then me dad grabs me school bag and kicks it through the window like he's Johnny bleeding sexton. The window wasn't even open. Sorry, teacher. Me dad drop kicked me homework into next fucking week. Then he goes off on one downstairs, wrecks the bleeding gaff. Eminem is left with what looks like a fatal gunshot wound, which is actually kind of cool. We push Carl's bed up against the door because me dad has the keys for all the locks in the house. And Damien's up off his bunk, swinging that golf club round his head. Fucking prick, fucking wank, I'm gonna fucking kill him. Carl texts me ma. The dog's bawling, the front door slams. We creep down the stairs. Me on me arse because I can't feel me legs. Me ma comes back. The house fills up with guards, me auntie, social workers, nosy neighbours, the whole bleeding shebang. 
I'm wrapped in the blanket with Dodo. He's mewling like a cat. They're all saying me doll have to go. So he went. But me ma felt sorry for him kipping on his ma's couch. So he came bleeding back. Now, here he is. Unconscious on the floor. Maybe even dead. Damien sat on the stairs smoking, as if there's nothing wrong. Did you ring the ambulance? I go. Yeah, and hopefully they'll take a while, says Damien. You might want to get rid of that before they get here, I say, pointing to the golf club. We never touched them, says Damien. I heard a bang and he was out cold when I legged it down my room. I only grabbed the golf club in case he was going off on one. Yeah, but I'd hide it anyway. Doesn't look good, does it? It's not the only thing that doesn't look good, says Damien. And he kicks me down the leg. There's not room for him to really do damage, but he makes his point. He's the real hard man now, what? He was right. Me dad looks, I don't know, small or something. I lean right into his face to see if I can detect any breathing. Nothing. I slap his cheeks. Nothing. I roar into his ear. Get up, you poxy dickhead! Nothing. Dodo jumps onto me dad's chest and barks. Nothing. We hear the ambulance siren and Damien bolts up those stairs and then reappears, minus the golf club. I let the two paramedics in, a man and a woman. Both wearing high-vis jackets even though it's four o'clock in the bleeding afternoon. What happened? Says your woman, who wouldn't be out of place playing prop forward for a monster. Uh, he must have fell down the stairs, says Damien. Has he drink on him? Says the ambulance man and he's wrapping an oxygen mask around me dad's mouth. Usually has, says Damien. Probably stoned as well. The ambulance guy just shakes his head. Where's your mum? She's on her way. They look at each other in a way that tells me things are bad. There's no panic about them though. No shouting that me dad's tachycardic or that his pupils are fixed and dilated like they do on Grey's Anatomy. Is he dead? I ask. They don't answer. Just say, get some pyjamas ready and follow us into Bowmount. Me dad doesn't wear pyjamas and I don't know why they're bringing him to Bowmount when Lachlan's town's only down the road. They put me down a stretcher and throw him into the back of an ambulance like they're dumping an old sofa into a skip. Look, I know he's not me real dad, but there's no need for that. And then they're gone. Lights flashing blue and fast. They should have red lights, not blue, I go. But Damien doesn't answer. He's already upstairs rooting through drawers in me ma and dad's bedroom, looking for something resembling pyjamas. Would you look at this, says Damien. He's dumped all the socks and jocks out onto the floor. And there, stashed at the bottom of the drawer, are loads of packets of crisps, popcorn, sweets and chocolate. We both pounce on the one bar that stands out from the rest. A Mars bar. That was Right Your Mind, a play about youth mental health, devised by Jigsaw Offaly Service and Offaly Youth Theatre. As you heard, the play divided into five monologues. School Tour by Lorna Kelly Dalton, performed by Emer Regan. Man Up, with concept by Andrew Joseph Brown, adapting playwright Ali Scanlon, and performed by Adam Cooper. The Help by Niall Cleary, performed by Helen Brady. 
Make Up Your Mind by Rory Duffy, performed by Jamie Nolan. And The Mystery of the Missing Mars Bar by Caroline Bracken, performed by Emma Cranston. The director was Angela Ryan White. The writing consultant was Eugene O'Brien. Sound supervision and sound design were by Kieran Dunn and Ruth Kennington. The producer was Kevin Brew. The series producer of Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds. And just a note that if listeners are affected by any issues raised in the play, you can find helpline information at rte.ie forward slash support. Jigsaw is a free mental health support service for young people aged 12 to 25, situated in 13 local communities across Ireland. To find out more about Jigsaw's services and work to improve mental health outcomes for young people, have a look at jigsaw.ie. To listen back, have a look at rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Next week's Drama on One is No One Ever Asked Me That by Nairi Jürgen Harsian, Louise Lewis and Goretti Slavin. rta.ie forward slash drama on one.